Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Marty Harding. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. This week, we're going to be celebrating Women's History Month by talking about some really influential women in animation over the years, presently and in the past. Yep, yep. We're also going to talk about some of our favorite strong female characters who are definitely making waves in the future of women's representation in animated films. Yeah, I know. Before we get to our future film, though, we're going to do a quick song feature on one of my personal favorite songs. Which I really love, too. We all know it. It's easy. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> yes. And I know it was catchy, just like an old song by Elsa in Frozen that we all remember. And in Frozen 2, there was Into the Unknown and Show Yourself, also sung by Elsa. Yeah. So what was happening in the film when Elsa's saying, let it go? She ran off away from Arendelle, far away up into the mountains, right after she started the eternal winter and Anna goes out to look for her. Yeah, and it kind of expresses this feeling of she's released from all of the obligations that she felt back in her home. Obligations to be, you know, a royal and to be, you know, well-behaved in this certain way that people expected of her. And instead, she decides that she's going to embrace this magical thing that makes her unique, which is her, you know, molding of ice. And she is becomes free to use it as she wants and wishes out in, out in the wild there. Who originally sang Let It Go? Adina Menzel, both the speaking and singing voice of Elsa. That's right. And she sounds amazing singing that song. I actually heard her sing it live in concert after the film came out, which was amazing. Yes, I remember. It, just like the film itself, the song became instantly popular. Mm-hmm. And who wrote the song originally, Ezra? Kristen Anderson and Robert Lopez. Yeah, and they're a married couple, right? Yes. Yeah, so it wasn't obviously an all-women team, but... You know, I can't help but notice when I'm looking at who's written these songs that have become super, super famous, like Colors of the Wind or uh, Reflection in Mulan. Or recently, we don't talk about Bruno from Encanto. Yeah, often songs that are written for female characters, even strong female leads like Elsa, are written by men. And so it stood out to me that Let It Go was written by a woman. Yeah. What's your favorite part of Let It Go, Ezra? I like all of it, the whole thing. If you were to explain the message to someone, what would it be? It's about letting go of your fears, of hiding stuff. That's right, of hiding parts of you that you feel like you can't show. Yeah. Which is super relatable to many people who might feel like yeah. they're pressured into hiding parts of themselves. Yep. Anything else you want to say about Let It Go? It, it We all know it today as one of Disney's most famous and popular songs. Yeah, wasn't it in the Billboard Top 100 for a while? Yes, like by early 2014, I remember. Wow, and it's not often that soundtrack songs get on the Billboard Top 100, huh? Yeah. All right, well, moving on to our feature presentation... We're going to drop a few names of women in the animation industry that you definitely need to know about because they've made a lot of difference. As we've talked about a little bit in some episodes, like our episode about Disney's Nine Old Men, 
the animation industry for a long time was mostly men, right, Ezra? Yes. When did that start to change? I think by like the 50s or 60s and onward. That's right. And so around then was when Mary Blair came on the scene. Where she animated many classics from Disney, like Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Song of the South, and Cinderella. Yeah. And she wasn't actually a proper animator so much as a artist who created a lot of the imagery for those movies yes i see i know like the background the scenery from like i can tell by her style used in alice in wonderland and and sleeping beauty and cinderella i remember how would you describe mary blair's art style ezra colorful somewhat abstract but very unique and kind of visual in a way Yeah, absolutely. I would say so. You can see a lot of the influence of her, you know, general style in those movies from that era. I know. And another famous thing she did was the art and design of characters from the Disneyland It's a Small World attraction. There's the building inside and the inside of the attraction with all the animatronics in the background and scenery that looks very paper mache like was designed by her. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she did artwork for a bunch of different things at Disneyland and Disney World, right? Yeah. She was also famous for a mural she made out of ceramics. Yeah, like, I think the building of It's a Small World, the attraction. Yeah, on the outside, it has the depictions of a bunch of different kids from all over the world. I know, and it's interesting that the design of many parts of the design of the attraction... Like, the background, the scenery, and the characters are, like, made from paper mache Yeah, absolutely. But they would have been created based on drawings that she drew with her own pencil or charcoal, whatever she used. Before that attraction was at Disneyland, it was, it was started at the New York World's Fair in 1964 until 1965 before permanently moving to Disneyland in 1966. Oh, cool. You know, I read that Mary Blair went on a tour with Walt Disney himself and his wife. Huh. She was part of a group of people in the creative industry who traveled to South America to go and, you know, have cultural exchange in the industry of film. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. I see. And then it also sounds like Walt Disney kind of recruited Mary early in her career. Pretty interesting. That it that or she that she was like one of the like one of the first major women in the animation industry for this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. She, you know, being in there so early amongst exclusively men, you know, she is one of the first women really out there creating characters and putting her stamp on things and that stamp has lasted stylistically even until now. I see. Mary Blair I know did get a 100th birthday Google Doodle back in 2011, I remember. Oh, cool. Was the doodle of drawings that she did? Yeah, but it was looking like her style, actually. Oh, cool. That's nice that Google was celebrating her birthday. Like, over the years, Google has done many doodles commemorating famous people. Yeah, they really dug one up for Mary Blair, too. I know. It was for her, which would have been her 100th birthday in 2011. Oh, cool. What year did she actually pass away, Ezra? Born in 1911 and died in 1978. Gotcha. And what was the last film that she worked on? 
It was How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which was one of the live action films she did. Oh, cool. All right. So moving on, another really influential woman in the animation industry would be the director of Frozen, which we talked about earlier with Let It Go. And her name is Jennifer Lee. Yes. What did Jennifer Lee work on before Frozen, before she was a director? Um, I think she did. She was the screenwriter for Disney's previous film, Wreck-It Ralph. Cool. She directed the sequel, Frozen 2, as well. Yeah, and so Jennifer Lee was the first woman to direct a Disney animated feature film, right? Yes. So that means it took almost 100 years for a woman to direct a Disney animated feature film, which is kind of crazy, but also pretty cool that it finally happened because it showed women having come a long way in terms of leadership positions in Disney, right? Yeah. What was different about Frozen, Ezra? It was a film from Disney Animation that had a female lead, and I don't think Disney's had a female-led animated feature before. Well, arguably the princess movies, but we can talk about those later. This was a film that showed a really independent female lead who wasn't determined by a romance plot or a scenario in which she's in jeopardy. This is very much a coming into herself story for Elsa, right? Yeah. She's now the head of Disney animation along with Pete Doctor following John Lasseter's departure from a few years ago. Which is super, super cool. Yeah. And what changes has she brought to Disney animation, Ezra? Uh, like, starting with Wreck-It Ralph, she's directed all the animated Disney features onward after that. Uh, she hasn't directed, but she was involved with it. She was also the screenwriter for, uh, for the live-action film A Wrinkle in Time. Which is a really popular movie from a few years ago, huh? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Cool. I know, and she's received an Oscar when Frozen won an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Was she the first woman to receive an Oscar for an animated feature? I think Brave was, though. Oh, that's right. Brenda Chapman of Brave. Also, yeah, I remember that. And I, I like that she directed this film, Frozen, the, like, the worldwide phenomenon that's taken the world by storm and has become one of Disney's most popular films ever. It's really cool to see a woman who directed a film about a cool, powerful woman character, and then she's now also the head of Disney Animation Studios. Along with Inside Out director Pete Docter. That's right. But it's just cool to see the progression. As we talked about, Mary Blair was, you know, the only woman even participating in Disney animated movies back in the 50s, and now we actually have a woman who's 50% in charge of Disney animation. So they've come, even animation has come a long way for women. And speaking of that coming a long way, you can't forget that both Jennifer Lee and Mary Blair were white women. Even fewer women of color are in animation. But Domi Shi, who directed the short Bow from a few years ago, which was an awesome short. If you haven't seen it, definitely go watch it. It won an Oscar for Best Animated Short. It did. And she was the first woman of color to do that. She was the first woman of color to direct a animated fe- or an animated short by Pixar. She earned a lot of firsts when she directed Bao. And now she's directing Turning Red, which came out this month. Yeah. 
And Ezra, you saw Turning Red, right? Yes, just last night. Can you describe the film? It was about a young girl, 13-year-old girl named Naylin Lee, or simply Nay for short, who's a Chinese-Canadian girl who turns into a giant red panda after her anxiety and ancestors' accidental like thing, which caused that curse. Yeah. So Domi Shi is also Chinese-Canadian, right? And just like Bao, I know that she really intentionally put a lot of her culture into this film. And not only culture, having the character be Chinese-Canadian just like she was, but also her experiences. The film is about, you know, a young girl who's going through this really chaotic time of puberty. (laughs) Or more like adolescence, actually. Yeah, adolescence as a whole, you're right. And how does it portray that, that experience, Ezra? In an interesting kind of way, with an interesting perspective of how boys and girls develop and become teenagers. Yeah, which is something that everyone goes through. Yeah. So what Domi was trying to communicate with this film Turning Red when she pitched it isn't necessarily exclusive to boys or girls or anyone in particular. Is It's something that every everyone goes through. Yeah, I know. I think it's cool that she chose that part of our life as subject matter for her first feature film. Yeah, I know. It's a really interesting commentary on that. What else is special about Domi Shi, Ezra? She's worked on other Pixar films in the past, such as Toy Story 4, Incredibles 2, Inside Out, and The Good Dinosaur, as well as Luca and Sol and Onward. And she's also having a little involvement with Pixar's next called Lightyear. She also directed Pixar's experimental shorts, Pearl and Kitbull. Cool. So she's putting more and more of a mark on Pixar's work, huh? Yeah, she is. And I read that Pixar actually came to her and asked her to pitch three ideas for an animated feature film, one of which was Turning Red, which is pretty cool that they're asking for more from her. Yep, I know, which won an Oscar for Best Animated Short. Yeah. So anything else you want to say about Domi Shi Ezra? I really like how she got another big successful achievement, but this time in a feature film just four years after that short, which originally accompanied Incredibles 2. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot that it was with Incredibles 2. Wow. I loved Incredibles 2, and I loved Bao, so I was glad that they went together. (laughs) It was a beautiful short shown with a hilarious action-packed sequel to one we all remember. Yeah, and I think I read an interview or something with Domi Shi that She's actually a huge foodie, and so she was really excited at the idea of communicating a metaphor through food, and that was the dumpling that is Bao. I know, interesting, yeah. That's great. We talked about three female animators and how they've changed the industry. Yeah, but we couldn't finish this episode without talking about few of the female fictional characters who changed animation. What are the ones that come to your mind, Ezra? Mulan, Elastigirl, and Judy Hopps. Interesting. Those are some more recent ones. When I think of female leads that really changed the game, I think of Ariel and Belle from Beauty and the Beast and Tiana from Princess and the Frog. Those are good examples too, and so is Merida from Brave. Absolutely. We can't forget Merida. What makes all of these female leads powerful? For instance, Mulan, 
the film that we remember was about like feminism kind of stuff like because Mulan it was set thousands of years ago and the, it was about the army and Mulan's father was weak too weak to fight in the army but she wasn't allowed to be in the army so she made a decision to disguise herself as a man to save her father yeah so she's depicted as really strong because she's strong enough to keep up with all of the men who are in the army and she's very feisty especially because she doesn't fit in with other women and fails to bring honor to her family Yeah, so she doesn't fit the typical passive convention of a woman that they show during that time. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and so I actually read that when Mulan was being made, there were more women consulted, and Disney was actually making more of an effort to hire women as part of the production crew, which is kind of cool. And I think that's really shown in how they navigated Mulan's character, even as she is dressed as a man and also has to be a woman and you know she's balancing this masculinity femininity these roles right yeah that's right another good example i know is elastigirl or helen parr or sometimes known as mrs incredible from disney and pixar's two incredible movies yeah how is she a feminist ezra she had more revealed more feminism related stuff in the sequel though than the first bob was the main character in the first movie but elastigirl helen was more of the focus in the sequel, where she was trying to come up with a way to make supers be being public allowed again since it was banned over 15 years ago. Yeah, and how is her character portrayed? Kind of a feisty woman kind of character where she fights for rights. Yeah, she's an advocate, and I think she's shown to be really smart and clever in that movie too. Yeah, like in the sequel, like showing how brave she is, and also brave in the sequel. Yeah, so it was cool because in that sequel, we really got more of a picture of how this already badass woman from the first Incredibles continued to be that cool and make a difference as the main character in the sequel. And also, uh, she's also a very unique mother as well. Yeah, and she does it with kids. So Judy Hopps, what makes Judy Hopps a fe- feminist, Ezra? She's a rabbit, I know, and she wants to be a police officer. Yeah, so she's challenging the stereotypes and the conventions of what Zootopia as a society has assigned to animals based on their characteristics. I know, like, and where predators and prey live in harmony. Yep, but they don't always have the freedom to be whatever they want, do they? No, and Judy Hopps wants to stand up for what she believes in that you can be no matter who you are. Exactly, which is another one of those ideas that We don't see in super early films about women the idea that you can be whoever you want to be. But in later films about women characters, we definitely see that idea. And Judy Hopps is a great example. Thank you for listening to this wonderful episode we did for for Women's Month. Women's History Month. We talked about some of our favorite female characters and also some women who you should know influenced the animation industry and are continuing to influence the animation industry in high positions at Pixar and Disney, which is really, really cool to see. Be sure to keep an eye out for Mary Blair, Jennifer Lee, and Domi She in the future as you're watching animated films. And we need to do our trivia question, Ezra. <laughs> yeah. This week's trivia question is going to have to do with Walt Disney, 
who everyone knows the name of, but not very many people know the name of his wife, who was, you know, his partner in crime and who actually had a lot of influence over his work. Yes, what was the name of Walt Disney's wife? We will let you know on next week's episode of Animation Beyond. See you on the next episode of Animation Beyond. Goodbye. Goodbye.